I'm like, hey, I think I might be able to do the split. <laughs> oh, that was, I saw that. that was so good. And she was like, if you do the splits, we will win. We will win. And I was like, okay, let me stretch. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to RuPaul's Drag Race. I am one of your hosts, Sarah, and I am joined by my very techie co-host, Robin. Robin, how are you doing? I am trying to be techie. I don't know if it's actually working. Hopefully this sounds like butter. (laughs) We got some new equipment and I'm not totally confident that we're using it correctly, but we're doing what we can. (laughs) You're working your ass off and looking good while doing it. Thank you. Thank you. I try. (laughs) What's giving you a fuck yeah right now? Oh, you know what's giving me a fuck yeah right now is the new documentary El Dorado. Ooh, okay, say more. It's this new documentary that's on Netflix that is um, about the nightclubs, in particular the El Dorado, that were live and lush and, and alive with queerness in the 1920s in Berlin. Oh, that is your jam. You know it's my favorite, and it's 100 years ago now. It's amazing to think about what people were doing 100 years ago, but really... It was queer as fuck in Berlin. And it wasn't just the El Dorado. It was multiple places. Like you could go to these clubs in in the 20s in Berlin and be able to go to multiple floors of queer ass shit going on. And we're, I mean, like open trans performers and, and drag and all kinds of queer art. This is where like the black jazz musicians were coming over and playing freely in Europe. So it was just a magical, magical time. And then, of course, there was the 30s, which just, you know, was the worst, <laughs> literally. And what this documentary does is there's finally a documentary out there that does a good job of doing reenactments it's very filmic and the actors are amazing and you can tell they're queer it's so fascinating because they do it beautifully i don't recommend everybody watch it i recommend everybody watch like the first half because of course we all know what happens it's interesting to watch the second half and see how they go about genocide on gay people and Jewish people and how it all starts and everything and and disabled people and just all the, you know, undesirables. It's interesting and reflecting on what's going on right now and how they do these little things and how they do it in order, in order to gain more and more control over people. And they made a really interesting point in this movie. One person was saying, you know, this was different from what happened to Jewish people of course. But the, what's different is that it's, they weren't trying to eradicate gay people. They were trying to stop homosexuality and gender expression, wanting that to be very conformed. Women are there to make babies for the war effort, basically. You're there to make soldiers. Homosexuality was undesirable because it um, doesn't make more 
soldiers. It doesn't serve the cause. It doesn't serve the war machine. And also it shows how little control that they have. Like if you're just out there wearing whatever you want and being happy and freely expressing yourself, that's not good for fascism. Oh, I have to check it out. It's really beautiful to watch and it's so sad at the end, but they do really follow certain people and, you know, trans women living there, like actual individuals and they follow them and some of them make it and some of them don't. Oh, the one really great point that they made was, yes, it's, it, they're trying to eradicate homosexuality, not homosexuals. They just like, you need to change and conform, right? But what happened after the war is that even in West Berlin and West Germany, the title that was used in order to persecute gay people, the sodomy, you know, being illegal type of law kept in place. And the per persecution of gay people continued in West and East Germany. So somebody was asking one of the, you know, older queer people, he was saying, what line can you draw from the queer people of the 1920s that were in Germany to the queer people that are now in Berlin? There's a thriving, really engaged queer scene there, apparently. I'd love to go check it out. <laughs> he was saying that there's no connection because the queer community was completely eradicated mm. at that time. And it was thriving and bubbling, full of energy. And then it, and within a year, it was all shut down, you know? And we think about these laws that are happening, like um, Pelvis Wrestley was telling us about the laws happening in, in Texas, where they're basically making it illegal to, you know, do drag there. This is the first steps, you yeah. know, that happened in Germany as well. I think it's important thing to watch all the way through in the aspect that we're going through something similar now, and we got to be aware and do what we can to stop it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to watch. It's really beautiful at the beginning. So if you don't want to have to face all of the heartbreak. Or if you're someone who's really impacted right now by the criminalization of these yes. similar things, perhaps it is not for you, but for those who have capacity, yes. I, would, I would like to watch it. That's a great way to put it. And if you don't have that capacity, you can always watch like the first 20 to 30 minutes because it's beautiful and it's really great to see that queer history yeah and what people are doing it's so delicious they're showing them doing all the dances and doing wearing all the makeup and doing their shows and being i mean to be queer and doing drag in 1920s clothes i'm like oh, i want to be there so bad but it's such a heartbreaking time period because it was so rich and beautiful and free and it lasted like 10 years. Well, you know what's interesting is that we're having a drag renaissance now. Exactly, yeah. And imagine, you know, or at least what I think of is just like the possibility of how this continues to blossom and grow and um, kids who've grown up watching Drag Race, which yeah. we're going to talk about today. Yes, yes. And the world that they're going to see is possible in terms of their expression. And if we had had that, that through line from the 20s until now, you know, how much further along would we be culturally? Oh, my God. Uh, had there not been so many oppressive forces throughout the 20th century that just continued to suppress all of this art and all of this expression. Sarah, I hadn't even thought about that angle. That's like an obvious thought process now that you say it it's like not only did we lose that 
chunk, that whole like many generations in between what is now in Berlin and what was there a hundred years ago. But yeah, all of that progress that was lost, where would we be? Oh my God. Well, and I think that the same could be said of the 80s and 90s, right? Like we have such a break mm. in our recent history yeah. of a massive loss of lives because the HIV AIDS epidemic was just completely mishandled by the Reagan administration mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just the loss of inter intergenerational knowledge and transference of experiences and integration into, you know, like each stage of queer culture is as, as if we are building it from the ground up right. because it gets built up and then it gets torn down. It gets built up and it gets torn down and we don't really have that same sort of continuity, cultural continuity, yeah. um, familial community continuity. And I think a lot of people are really going through it. It's a great documentary. And I do think it's relevant to what we're talking about today with there is so much drag in there and drag is in danger. And when drag gets into danger, just like when women get into danger, which we are now as well, shit's about to hit the fan. Like we have to be very careful in these times. Yeah, Please. it's a red flag. Yeah, it's so a big red attention. flag. Yeah. Pay attention. And so, Inyan, I don't mean to be a big bummer. It's like hard to talk about World War II documentaries without being a big bummer, but it is so delicious at the beginning. And it shows just how resilient I think queer people are and how important community is and how important nightclubs are to the queer community. It's yeah. not just going out and having fun or getting drunk. It is like the way that we are able to be together and express ourselves you know, as, as we should be able to. So it's, it's true freedom, real freedom, and it can be taken away real fast overnight, literally. So anyway, watch El Dorado. But today we are really excited to bring on Angie Evans. I am so excited about this interview on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. One is that Angie is just was so awesome on the show. So the premise of a recent episode of RuPaul's Drag Race was that they finally brought lesbians onto the show and put them into drag. And Angie Evans is a, a butch-identified Long Beach lesbian who owns the cafe Wide Eyes Open Palms with her wife, Kat McIver, who's the head chef. And Kat is my deepest, closest friend. Kat and Angie are Ruby's aunties. And so on a personal level, I'm just so excited to see Angie having this really big moment where she not only kicked ass on the show and is getting so much adoration and adulation and love from the fans of RuPaul's Drag Race, so well-deserved, but also that she showed so much of what I know to be true about Angie, which is just a real vulnerability. She cried on the show. She, she gave a lot of transparency and personal shares about what it's like to be a butch woman getting into drag and how scary that can be. 
and so connecting with her femininity. So I'm just so excited to dive into this interview with her. I'm dying to know what happened behind the I scenes. Know we got also. I mean, we're both Drag Race fans yeah. and there's never really been an opportunity to talk about it on the yes. show. So this is also going to be really fun for us to just like, I want to know about her personal experience, but I also just want to know some of the tea. Yeah. For real. So yes. like the behind the scenes, what is it really like? Yes. Let's get into it. Yeah. yeah. Angie, we're so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well and I am super excited to be here. So Angie, we were wondering what's your favorite thing to wear right now, clothing or otherwise? I, I, I like summertime. So if I can be wearing my chacos, <laughs> I am very happy. <laughs> so hot weather is is very important to me. So, really? Yeah. So wearing kind of as little as possible in a butch way. Yeah. You know, shorts and chacos and a tank top. Like, well, I'm sorry. I'm super happy. Chacos are a certain kind of sandal. Yeah, they're not Tevas. They're another brand they're uh, like a hiking sandal a superior brand uh, of, <laughs> of a sandal good amount of lesbians might might know okay yeah. okay <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm not butch enough to know <laughs> who was your first celebrity crush well i feel like i have two yeah maybe some people wouldn't know the first one but my mom liked old movies and um have you ever seen trouble with angels no with Haley no. mills Haley Mills was in Parent Trap. Okay. You ever see that? Yes. Which one? The old one? I think the I saw it one. as a kid. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. but Haley Mills in A Trouble with Angels, she was more of a teenager. And she was definitely like high femme, um, like the bad girl, like smoking. Like and she was like in a boarding school. Just she was wore, wore hair flare. And so that was my first crush that maybe nobody really knows who she is. I love it. I can't wait to look but it up. Haley Mills. If I'm like thinking back and maybe it wasn't like necessarily like sexual. Right. Like I'm just like young and I just like I'm really just like attracted to this character. Yeah. I would say I was, you know, maybe like 10. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm it, looking it up. 1966. 66. And there are nuns. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. No, she's in a like a boarding school with that, like a... With none. Yeah. Yeah, like a Catholic boarding school. Sexy. Anyways, <laughs> so there's that. But high school celebrity crush, I would say, I kind of always, like, gravitated towards the boys that I, like, I think I just wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So the one I can remember is 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be Heath Ledger. And oh. I wanted to court julia styles yes ah yeah yes. that's great so you had like a crush on the whole scenario yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah for sure yeah. like i thought maybe i was attracted to heath ledger but no 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 really like like when she, she i don't know if you remember the movie but she she flashes the teacher she's kind of dykey yeah she's kind of yeah and i was definitely attracted to julia styles but i wanted to be Heath Ledger, like that pretty boy with flowing hair yeah. and an accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great, though, because it shows like how there's two sides to the equation and that mm -hmm. we can we can mm -hmm. crush on our side of the equation. Also, like a longing to be that oh, yeah. part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty that. boys, 
in movies was like what I thought maybe I was attracted to. But then like when I stepped away and like finally kind of like came out, I realized, oh my God, I just seriously wanted to be that like pretty boy, like smooth, like getting all the girls. Like that's who I wanted to be. Yeah. Mission accomplished. You, now. <laughs> you know, I'm trying. No, <laughs> you're doing a great job. What was your first mode of masturbation? Let's say my first mode of masturbation was my hand. Wow. Ooh, wait. I'm Ooh. thinking about. Okay. I love <laughs> I mean, it. It's kind of like embarrassing, but not. Back. But like I was young. I cleaned it, but I did use a thick Sharpie. Oh. The cap was on and maybe the other side. The smoother and, side. Yeah, the smoother side. And like I think that was my first like attempt at like experimenting with some sort of penetration. Ah. So fun. Household objects. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Sex wasn't really talked about in my household. So yeah. I didn't quite I didn't quite understand what masturbating was. Was it religious, your household? No. Just maybe just closed off. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. repressed like the rest of us <laughs> and yeah. American. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Some repression there. Did you grow up in Los Angeles? Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Okay. Yeah. So the peninsula, uh, like San Carlos, like 25 minutes south of San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just goes to show you can be repressed anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. It yeah. does. <laughs> Even 20, 20 minutes outside of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like that 20 minutes outside of almost any city, though. Yeah. You know? People think like, oh, you grew up like in the Bay Area. You know, I mean, I came out late. Probably not till I was I think it's late till I was 20. I just didn't have any like forms of representation mm-hmm. of queer people like at all. Like there was no word queer, you know, you know, it, we're in our 40s. It was uh, yeah. the 90s. Yeah. I don't even think Ellen had. No. Come Maybe like yet. there is that Roseanne thing. There's yeah. just so little. And now you are part of queer representation. I know. You are in the zeitgeist. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it. That's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, imagine there's like somebody out there, probably many people out there that saw your show and might be like, oh, maybe that's maybe that's me, you yeah. know? I mean, I think that was honestly like a motivation mm-hmm. behind it. I, I think, well, you both know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I've always been kind of like wanting to be like the poster butch <laughs> yes. of the world. <laughs> yes. um, just because, you know, once I found the identity butch and kind of developed my own identity around that word and what it meant and the history of it, kind of like took that to be something that really I wore on my sleeve, that Mm -hmm. I was really proud of, that made me feel really sexy and Mm -hmm. special. And so being able to share that with people, especially like young people, and show them that this is also another representation, I'm just sort of like here for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you've brought butches into the fold as well. Like, I think, I feel like people have, you know, seen you modeling your gender presentation and it has sparked curiosity just within your sphere of influence already. So I can only imagine that you being on RuPaul's Drag Race is going to have that impact for sure and beyond. I would imagine that you get the call mm-hmm. and I would be anxious about it just because of the sheer pressure of 
what they accomplish in a couple of days on that show. But yeah. then you have the added element of your relationship to your masculine femininity. So aside from being motivated by being a role model, like what helped you to get over the fear of getting into drag? I had like said in the past, like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of funny if like I did was a drag queen for like Halloween. Right. Like I kind of like said that, but never felt like I could do it. Well, first of all, it takes so much skill, so much time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I yeah, I had kind of repeated like that, that would be kind of funny. But right. I always kind of said funny. Yeah. Like, you know, it's an interesting. Like, right? like, oh, it'd be funny just because I'm masculine. You know, like I am a woman, but I'm I present masculine. And then to go into that femininity would be, you know, funny. When the casting contacted me and my wife, Kat who you all know, mm -hmm. who is femme through our business, which is a very queer brunch farm to table restaurant um, and coffee shop. And they just said the title was looking for proud lesbians for a makeover opportunity. And so we were like, Kat had been doing like interviews for food shows at that time. And mm -hmm. so we were like, sure, we'll, we'll do, an, do an interview. So we actually both did it together uh, over Zoom when they told us that it was going to be RuPaul's Drag Race. And then immediately I was like, oh, makeover. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought maybe like a queer makeover. Uh -huh. I don't know. I'm thinking like queer eye or yeah. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you know, hey, you could try and make me over. Sure. I'll like, you know, can I look better? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, you know, I know. Like, if it was going to be a butch makeover, I don't know what other yeah, level know, you could like, take okay. it to. Um, but I'm telling you, like when they said RuPaul's Drag Race, my stomach dropped. And number one, I had a fear of how could I show myself in like femininity like heels dress makeup for like millions of people to see yeah number two i honestly thought okay if cat sees me this way like is mm. she not going to be attracted to me mm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are things that are like yeah. seriously in the yeah. that second like going through my head and then the biggest one honestly was if people see me that way are they gonna say mm oh, you're so beautiful. Right. Mm. Kind of invalidating yeah. what I've worked so hard to like feel so confident and sexy. And, yeah. you know, I like to say handsome in yeah. as the this woman that I am. Right. So I think that was like the biggest fear. Yeah, yeah. and you talked about that on the show and it was very moving. Yeah. I know, I'm getting emotional thinking about <sighs> yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because I think about my mom or, you right. know, people who have been like, oh, you're, but 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 you're so beautiful right like why oh, would yeah, you yeah the but but yeah. why would you you know and I'm like i know i am but like i think i'm you know yeah. beautiful this way yeah yeah no you're fucking handsome no, you. and rue calls it out at a certain point <laughs> <laughs> which i don't know if that was embarrassing for you or or you felt shy about it but i was like yes rue like we all see that no 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 this was my favorite <laughs> moment on the show because rupaul asked do people tell you you're gorgeous all the time? And you responded really confidently. <laughs> well, okay. So what they didn't show was, so I, I actually hadn't watched RuPaul's Drag Race 
that much. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of knew what the workroom looked like, but I didn't really know like the order in which things go, which it's definitely like a structure. Yeah. And they definitely did everything in that order. Did you do any homework to like? No. Okay. So, oh yeah. What I was going to say was it went really fast. So doing that interview and then the next day then being like okay we want to have you oh you and heard then the next it was going to be then the next day what yeah. they were going to shoot yes oh my so god you did not have or time like two days yeah it was like to really consider I, no 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 it was like you're doing it or you're not and i don't even know what like how rupaul's drag race really works like wow. i kind of know i kind of watched it yeah i had some preconceptions of it because i'm like oh it's just kind of like catty and they're mean to each other and i'm kind of like a nice <laughs> Those person are early season yeah, that's what, and that's what i think i watched so i think that's what i yeah. was pulling from yeah yeah so yeah it happened really quick wow so anyways so we're gonna meet rupaul basically and have kind of like a very candid conversation, like nothing scripted. Like, I don't really even know <laughs> what's going on. There's not a lot of prompting, which I was found very interesting. Like, I kind of would have liked a little bit more at times, but it all worked out. So we're standing at the table and Rue comes and is... Were you nervous to meet Rue? Were you starstruck I mean, yeah. at all or no? I don't know why I'm not super starstruck at people, but yeah, I mean, I'm like... I think also being in LA, you get used to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like yeah i mean i mean I'm, ex- I'm excited yeah you know yeah like rupaul like what i wanted to tell rupaul which i'll tell you that i didn't was that like when i was i think i was like eight whenever supermodel came out yeah you know, uh-huh. i had that tape um, oh. a single and i would put it in my walkman and go in the garage when no one was home and i would like do like runway walked and I'm, I'm sure i had no clue that she was a drag queen yeah you know i just like i would go to tower records and pick up you songs and her, i just yeah. like loved this you know and i just do flip the tape flip the tape flip uh, the tape you uh, know so it was kind of surreal you know but so I, I walk up to the table she's standing there very poised in the fabulous fabulous suit right because she's out of drag and they're getting like all the cameras set up and i'm like standing i'm like oh my god what am i gonna say what is she gonna ask me you know like what's 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 gonna happen and she's just like staring at me and she goes "Ooh, i'm getting a feeling and i was like oh my god am i getting hit on by oh. Paul right now <laughs> like uh i'm like feeling okay like she's like yeah, just and it it didn't feel like sexual. I mean, like it was it was it was good. I didn't feel like too uncomfortable. But anyways, that was that was a big part that didn't get in there. No, oh, I love that. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you gave Rue a feeling. I'm, like, feeling. I'm giving Rue Paul a feeling. I have no comeback line. There's like, I'm just like, ah, ah. okay, <laughs> uh, you know, candy. Like she, she looks at me like, oh man, yeah, you know. And then yeah, then Rue after we're kind of talking comes back and says the thing about you're hot don't don't you know you're hot yeah (laughs) and you're like oh yeah and i was like well i mean you just you've been hitting on me the whole time so uh yeah i I feel you know (laughs) yeah you have cultivated your butchness which i think a lot of queer people do even if it's your gender presentation aligns with your birth certificate and everything like femmes are like more aware of their femness than like straight femmes or whatever Mm -hmm. you know gender is a drag 
Yeah. And it was even talked about in the show of this kind of we're performing a certain amount of gender. You've cultivated yours so well that I think that there is like this obvious apparent attractiveness. You know what I mean? But how is it then to in just this two days go through all of this stuff, including a total like gender presentation transformation? Although I do love how drag takes feminist and just explodes it yeah yeah you know and it, and so at the same time that i'm totally feeling you and understanding you on this thing of like you know are people gonna say but mm-hmm. when the drag was so outrageous that it's almost it's beyond femininity in a lot of ways it's like you know it, it it's just next level with that sort of thing But going through it and actually getting to the other side, doing the performance and everything, I really wanted to see like a recap, like a a check in with you on how you were feeling after all of that, you know. So how was it to actually touch into that hyper feminine look? How do you feel about your feminine side now? How do you feel about your butch side now? Like, because it's like the performance was an exercise in gender play in a way that you haven't done yeah of your own accord <laughs> no you yeah, know yeah. so how how do you feel now yeah i mean I, I do feel like super blessed that i got the opportunity like i mean to get that level of makeup and production you know was amazing but honestly there's something that candy said to me after like we had gone through the whole day we had done the you know the, the meeting we had talked about like what we're gonna wear i was super open mm-hmm. to like okay you know if you want to put boobs on me corset <laughs> hips and to be honest candy doesn't i don't i don't know much about her like history of being a drag queen mm-hmm. but from what i've seen like this season she doesn't wear boobs yeah she kind of just uses her own chest and she was kind of the perfect partner she's younger than me like in her 20s so we, we just had like a really good you guys seem to dynamic vibe. yeah together i think we're both very confident people and you guys seem well paired and yeah. you and you won that shit yeah. Yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, and Spoiler her, alert. <laughs> her mom is a butch mm-hmm. so that was kind of a cool connection but yeah we had gone through the whole day like they show on the show me trying to walk in these like wood platform heels which were horrible like i could barely walk and i was feeling a bit defeated Mm. and i was like by that point like i mean it had been a full day like i mean we're going on like 12 13 hours i'm just like and i I like to do things good i like to be i like to be good at what i do and i'm a performer you know i've never performed this way but i'm a performer so i wanted to do well i was just kept going i just don't feminine like i just don't know how to be feminine girly and then she like turned to me. She's like, okay, hold on. She's like, you just, you gotta stop thinking it about it of being feminine and think about it as being a queen. Mm. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So in your mind, and that changed is, everything. Yeah. What's the difference there? Because then I wasn't having to kind of like think of it in this like trauma of femininity mm-hmm. that had been pushed on me, of what I thought like femininity was to be a woman about what i thought even a drag queen was mm-hmm. maybe I, you know i i had these ideas that you had to have fake boobs and you had mm-hmm. you know you you had you had to shave your armpits like i was like oh what about my armpit hair and my tattoos mm-hmm. and she was like no i love it <laughs> you know and like she put a corset on me and she was like no mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then i was like oh well i'm wearing like a compression bra like is 
And she's like, no, love it. Kind of, we're using your body. Yeah. So it just made it feel more playful the way that she was going about it. Like I said, if I was with Jimbo, you know, I probably would have been like, go ahead, give me the biggest tits. But it was, it was just, she does her drag different. Candy does her drag different. And then I guess I do my drag different. I really just like seriously changed everything that I thought about drag and playing with gender. And so, you know, the next day was the performance day. I just felt a little bit more free Mm -hmm. to like kind of just really be a queen. That's great. I think you see it in the show too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you can tell you're there's a shift. Yeah. There's a shift or from the the first day to the second day. And they gave me pumps. <laughs> you, you like the pumps better? The pumps were way better. Yeah, That's yeah. so interesting. Totally I, love I would take a chunky heel yeah. any day over pumps. I, thought so. I have a hard Those time. Chunky heels were like walking on stilts. Yeah. That was rough. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. there, yeah, it's the height can be hard. But I love that getting out of your head around because the way that you are a woman is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, if you're approaching it, trying to think about, oh, I need to be a woman in a different kind of way yeah. versus this is a performance where I get to embody this whole new thing. That's really cool. Yeah. I love it. It sounds like she did a lot of really good coaching and the editing doesn't necessarily show that. Like you could tell that the two of you had chemistry, mm-hmm. but like her kindness towards you, because I was, you know, super on your like <laughs> side yeah. and as i was watching it like all of her interview stuff is like we've got to win and she seems no, stressed but- and i was like <gasps> you leave Angela <laughs> <laughs> no but you know she wasn't like super sweet to me that's okay. actually what i but that's like what i need mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah i'd be like no 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 okay we're gonna do it this way mm-hmm, and i'm mm-hmm. like okay we're gonna do it you know like yeah. i needed yeah. that like, I don't need you to, like, baby me. Yeah. And so it was, that's, I think, was the good dynamic. And I don't baby anybody else. You know what I mean? So I'm like, nope, we're going to do it this way. I mean, we even kind of, I mean, yeah, she was a big part of the choreography. But, like, I kind of helped. Mm-hmm. We did work together on the choreography. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's like nice. kind of figuring out, like, you know, who did the parts and, and different things. And they didn't show the full performance right ours was really good (laughs) (laughs) no i really enjoyed the thing of you guys like vying for the judge's attention oh yeah that was really cute whose idea was that i think that was her she was like yeah let's let's be like sisters but like yeah we're just like trying to outdo each other yeah i was like perfect i got this yeah let's do it the same as how like i redefine what a woman is Mm -hmm. being masculine and because I take from masculinity the good things, you know what I mean? <laughs> the positive masculinity. Yeah, I mean, the patriarchy comes into play. There's toxic masculinity, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm a feminist, I'm a woman, so I'm taking those things. And then I'm taking some things of feminine in my life and always trying to create that balance. But, you know, as I kind of said before, like, that fear of traditional femininity, like, being pushed on me, that was what was scary to show. Mm-hmm. People. You have um, developed quite a fan base by being yourself on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I'm sure you have seen this, but we found in an article that there is a, is it a Reddit group that is calling themselves Tangie Sexuals? I think so. Or yeah. Pangies? <laughs> and I love this because I could go on and on about everything that I love about butches and just like you spreading the gospel of 
butch hotness to the world is thank you. You're doing such a service. Um, <laughs> how are you feeling about this? What is this like doing to your swagger? I mean, I'll take it. I mean, you know, I just turned 41, so I'll take some hotness <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, love, you know. Follow me at Angie Evans Butch. <laughs> you know, go ahead, give me the, all the love you want. I'm super down for it. I haven't gotten a lot of that since not being a musician and performer. So um, it was flattering to see the very long Reddit and very hilarious. Yeah, like Reddit about me. Gotten a lot of DMs in the past, used to get emails. I've had face to face, you know, which a lot of a lot of women, even men, like gay men, you know, have kind of questioned their sexuality and want mm-hmm. to tell me that. I don't know <laughs> if it's just like I am, you know, which sometimes can be flattering and sometimes is a little like, okay, <laughs> you know. And but of course, there's a ton of I didn't I, I thought I was straight until I saw you. You know, or I'm straight, but mm-hmm. I get that even in the coffee shop sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm straight, but, you know, you're just so I would change for, you know, which is, like I said, sometimes flattering. And I guess it's more flattering, like when it comes from queer people. Right. Like, I feel more flattered. I can feel a little awkward because there's that but. I'm like, but? I said, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's pretty cool, though. I like it a lot. Yeah. Pangisexuals. Pangisexuals. Yeah. It's so interesting that you go on this show in order to do a drag queen level, of course, makeover. But you're ending up spreading the gospel of, yeah. of Butch. So I just I think that's really great. It's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. I mean, just being Butch. I've known this for a long time, just like being myself. I've always kind of been somewhat in the public eye. I mean, I own a restaurant in the mm-hmm. community or I've been a musician. Um, I know that it, I'm being an example. Mm-hmm. And so like to me, just being a butch woman is activism. Yeah. You know, because I'm just kind of showing like representation. Yeah. So being on the show was a really great opportunity to kind of share that a little further it was just a great experience yeah. to be honest such a great yeah. platform yeah how did you feel about all of i mean we've talked a lot about behind the scenes and everything but your overall experience you felt like yeah like i mean the- it's like the whole lot is for drag race so it's big i mean there's a lot of staff that were they like, mainly gay and there's a, a good amount of queer staff yeah oh yeah that's cool definitely one person who's kind of like helping the talent uh-huh. you know and your wrangler they were just so sweet like i always held on to their shoulder as i put my heels in it was kind of like i was topping them it was, yeah. like, it was very sweet if you're out there you know i don't, I don't remember that's sweet. who they were but everybody was super sweet like the producers was like hey we just want like you to to be able to like share your story so like be be honest it's amazing that it yeah, is like yeah. what it seems to be. It was so great, like the intro also talking about the impact that lesbians have had on the gay community throughout, mm-hmm. uh, you know, history and recognizing that, mm-hmm. especially I, there is like this thing that it seems to be dissipating more, but of just that like weirdness between like lesbians and gay men sometimes totally. where you're like, why we, we want to be part of the group too. Yeah. Um, so it, 
it just seemed so nice that they were acknowledging and then everybody seemed to get along so well. You guys seemed to have like a great conversation about. Oh yeah. There was way more conversations. Yeah. Um, Cause I imagine know. like you're getting your face beat. You're just like yeah. chit chatting. <laughs> That's when they were asking right? a lot of the, <laughs> of the kind of deeper questions. Like we were talking about dyke and fag right and we went a little bit deeper into that but yeah i mean the producers were like we just want this to be an episode that kind of connects you know the gay community with lesbians and then i i kind of knew like as we were doing it like i was like oh this is actually i i think this is going to be a really special episode because i'm sure even though i'm not like i haven't watched a lot of drag race i'm sure they have a lot of lesbian fans yeah yeah you know watch the show and follow okay you do yeah (laughs) so like i i thought oh wow to give the lesbians (laughs) like some lesbians this is gonna be good yeah you know well then usually lesbians i guess like drag kings right right will go towards drag king and they don't have i don't think they've ever had drag king on there right that would be amazing yeah that would be amazing I know. I mean, and there's been controversy in the past. Like I took a really long time to come to Drag Race because of sort of the critique uh, from non-binary and trans folks of just how gender binary the show Mm. really was. And RuPaul, I think, rightly so, right, has taken some time to kind of come around to like a real full embrace of like, trans performers Mm -hmm. in the space but okay so you were an entry point to me watching the show through a different lens I suddenly saw it as a performer right like I have I've done choreography in heels with costumery Mm -hmm. and never kind of applied that to their process like I've never thought critically about really what they accomplish yeah in the amount of time that they have it's kind of unbelievable so as i'm watching you i was like how on earth did they get you walking in heels uh Uh, candy got you fully outfitted like where were those clothes that then were basically tailored to fit you and the two of you learned fresh choreography in two days i was so stressed out on your behalf (laughs) please tell me a little bit about this process and how you handled it yeah i mean like i said i didn't know what i was really getting into i didn't know the structure of the show i knew it was going to be two days for sure i didn't know it was going to go that late the first and the last day how Um, late did it go i mean like i think i like left I mean, I got there probably at 8 a.m. and I left at near midnight. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. Because we were still. That's intense. And then you're yeah. supposed to look your schedule. best the next day. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I went home that night. Um, and cried. I did cry. All the way to Long Beach? Uh, no, no. I, I stayed in a hotel. Room. Okay, good, good. Yeah, close by. And then, um, but I practiced in the mirror. <sighs> Uh, I even have a video of me practicing. Oh, I've only shown cat, but like just in my butch self, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to do the mm-hmm. the movements and everything. Really, the lip syncing was, I think, like the hardest. We just playing the song over and over again. Oh my god, I couldn't get that song. It was like called like Charisma. It was a mashup of oh, like yes, a guitar yes, song. So it was yeah. like Charisma, Peanut Butter bitch (laughs) so like the last one was the last part of the song is like a rap it's 
Like that's hard. Yes. Right? Yes. You know what I mean? You're so like, luckily we we decided to kind of split it up. Good. good into good. into parts so that we didn't have to memorize like everything. But yeah, I mean it's kind of just like the show. Yeah, we just and we didn't know we were going to do a lip sync until I think like after that first meeting of Rue, then they brought us out and was like, surprise, we're going to do a lip sync. Here's they do uh, that shit the all the time on that show. So that show. shit's real. It's yeah. a real surprise. Everything it looks was so surprise. contrived. Yeah. Everything yeah. was totally surprised. Like I did really, they didn't plan who got who. I mean, unless they somehow rigged it in the pink furry box. Right, but, right. Like, we really did like yeah. put our hand in the pink furry box and like pick out who we it got looked, it seemed like the pairings were fantastic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. at the end we were like were these planned how did this yeah. how did this happen because just even the sizing on the yeah. costumes yeah. oh yeah like i, it I was, know i'm i'm confused <laughs> no it's amazing the two yeah. of you looked related i know you like yes. you were supposed to be sisters but you looked like sisters when you came out i was like <laughs> yeah. yeah and thank goodness you know candy's big and strong and so so as we're, you know, rehearsing and we're kind of coming up with some choreography, I'm like, hey, I think I might be able to do the splits. <laughs> oh, that was, I saw that. that was so good. And she was like, <laughs> if you do the splits, <laughs> we will win. We will win. And I was like, okay, let me stretch. Let me stretch. And then we kind of rehearsed it. I did pull a little bit of a ligament <laughs> oh. in the knee. <laughs> but if if you see in the part where I do go down, like I needed her to hold my hand and, and she, she got it yeah. real tight because I was going to, I mean, I was going to go down in heels. You right. know? So yeah. I was like, I need to go yeah. down slow. You don't want to break than, your groin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and, she, and she just looked at me and she's like, Oh, that's so good. Like, we were like looking at each other, you know, after like the other two had gone and, you know, they were great. They were fantastic, of course. Yeah. They didn't do as much choreography as we did. So we kind of like looked at each other and we were like, we got this. We're going to kill this. Yes. We're going to win. And so, yeah, when we got on stage, we were just like pumped. We were ready to go. Oh, I love that. That's so exciting. yeah, exciting, invigorating. Yeah, you know, to be able to do. It. I mean, the stage is huge. It's a huge studio. They have the like the swinging, you know, cameras. Wow. Yeah, then but you- then you have an audience of four people, which yeah. also on your behalf, I was stressed out because yeah. that's the worst when you're not performing to an audience. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. the lights and cameras get you to turn it on? Like. I mean, the music is loud. Okay, oh, that's okay. good. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. But that thing of like having four people for your audience, but knowing that literally millions will probably see it. That's that's oh, a crazy. Yeah. Was that going on in your head? <sighs> no, you know, my mom always used to say, like, you're so shy, but like get Angie yeah, on a stage and we don't know what the hell, like who the fuck she is. Yeah. yeah. My mom's from New York, so I say. Who the fuck she is? Well, you know? I don't know what she's like, get her on the fucking stage. She can't get her to, you know, order something. You know, when I was little. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing. So yeah, I don't know. Getting me on a stage, like that's where I feel like, okay, let's do. If I'm like, you know, confident, I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Nothing brings you into the present like being on stage. Yeah. You're just so yeah. laser focused. And I was yeah. really excited. I, I loved the original Queer Eye. So. Mm. 
that Carson Kressley was there. And they didn't say his That's comment right. towards me on the show, but he gave me a good praise. What was oh. it? Just like, yeah, just the best makeover. <laughs> I don't remember exactly, you know, but I, I love Carson Kressley. So. That's awesome. That was sweet. Well, it sounds yeah. like this opportunity was absolutely meant for you. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy it found you. Is there anything that you want to say to Drag Race fans? Yeah, they're like hardcore. <laughs> and uh but everybody every fan that's like followed me and you know sent me like sweet you know dms or commented sweet things like you know thank you keep following me uh, you know i have some things coming up maybe not mm-hmm. drag queen things oh but some you know my brand butch things yeah. <laughs> um coming up i think the sweetest comment was like someone posted that their daughter was watching the show and she said look mom that's me in the future like me me as my butch self yeah you know and i was like heart melt well i do have to say as ruby's auntie (laughs) i am very appreciative for you in ruby's life period but this experience in particular i think that I'm watching Ruby have such a expansive idea mm-hmm. about what femininity is and uh, a lack of constraint around gender presentation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I sent you a video of Ruby oh, watching no, it. So it and mostly she's just stoked for you, like mm-hmm. was just riveted. But I also know that it is just planting these seeds Mm -hmm. in her brain of like so much positive affirmation around you going through the makeover, you performing, you being your vulnerable butch self, like all of it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, that's well, you know, I have I love Ruby so much and I support any part of her gender journey you know what i mean and i love being there for her to be an example like you know if we paint face we could we could do eye makeup and then we could do mustaches and beards yeah you know what i mean like we could you know we could do a lot of things like i i want you know to be example because i do identify as a woman like um and i'm always redefining what it is to be a woman you know i i think it is good to have that example cuz i get to feel comfortable in my body and my womanness while embracing my masculinity yeah yeah and i will say you look great in drag thank you yeah you look much better but yeah. <laughs> it totally suits you there's no butts <laughs> why can't I don't know you if i would have chose yeah. that hair that hair was pretty heavy <laughs> heavy ass hair but it was pretty funny that it was a redhead yes yeah. my wife cat is a redhead yes yeah. yes yeah. cute well where can people find you what do you have coming up that you're able to share well you can Always find me at my cafe if you're interested, because that is a big part of my life's work at this moment. Um, and you can just go to wideeyesopenpalms.com or at wideeyesopenpalms uh, on Instagram. Or I do have a splash page for angieevansbutch.com. Or you can just follow me at angieevansbutch on Instagram. Yeah, I do have some things that like I kind of don't want to share just yet, but they're like kind of big, cool things from for my career that are. Uh, coming up so follow me there and uh, I will share 
We look forward to hearing about that. Yeah. We might have to have you back on, Andy. <laughs> okay. Love having that would be you. Fun. <laughs> well, thank Thanks. you, Angie. This Thanks has for having me. Been really lovely. Special. Sarah, it was so exciting having Angie here. What did you think of that conversation? Any thoughts? Yes, I have so many thoughts. I mean, when we were talking about doing this episode, it feels like it just hits all of the points mm. for me. So Angie is a really dear friend. You know, like I said, Kat and Angie are Ruby's aunties. And to see a friend have such an awesome moment, like, and to seize it, yeah. you know, like watching the episode was so fun. Like I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah just seeing how Angie was going to do in that situation. So I really loved hearing more about what that experience was like for her. Yeah. I like gender performance to me. It, it just like it hits somewhere like deep in my soul. Like I love it mm. so much. And A Angie said something about coming out when she was 20. Yeah. And like similar for me. And I felt like I was coming out late. Like I think I was 21 and really steeped in I was in college in like a lot of theory, but also in Portland, which was a super queer place. So like I got this incredible early lessons in gender performance, queerness, uh, Judith Butler, bell mm -hmm. hooks, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and so. For me, when I discovered all the queer theorists and then found my queer community and found feminists, mm -hmm. I was like, gender is performance. Oh, yeah. So to like see someone who's butch go through like a drag queen makeover to me is just such a sweet spot. And mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of. I don't know, it just got me thinking about the ways in which like gender performance has been more a part of my life at various stages. You know, now I'm I'm kind of a, a working mom mostly, <laughs> but you know, like I feel like I have work drag. I've got my like, you know, kind of rockabilly 50s drag, which is my ode to like all of the femmes who came before me i've got my sexy drag which mostly you know doesn't make it out of the house anymore it's just kind of like <laughs> a bedroom mm -hmm. type of performance and so i don't know it just got me uh i uh, all of this just really I, I feel like i was smiling through the whole interview because i love rupaul's drag race i love how it has evolved and like what angie was saying about how it's not just kind of pageant queens yeah. anymore. Like it really has evolved into a very multifaceted performance art. And the folks that are on that show are just so incredibly talented. Yeah. I loved hearing the behind the scenes from Angie. I was actually a little shocked that they shoot that content in two days yeah because i was like oh i bet they make this look like it's two days mm -hmm. can you imagine those queens how haggard 
they must be by yeah. the end. I would be exhausted. No wonder most of the contestants on this show are in their 20s. Seeing the attention that Angie has gotten from being on the show right. is amazing. And what a supportive fan base that Drag Race has cultivated. I mean, I really, I said at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to say it again, like the renaissance that drag is having as an art form mm-hmm. is so life-giving to me. And I am really excited that, I think it was actually this year that Andrea and I, when we were on a getaway, a weekend getaway and we finally just kind of like laid in the hotel and put the tv on i think it was season nine of drag race we were like you know what we don't know why we haven't watched this yet she's gone way more down the rabbit hole than i have but it has enriched my life drag race yes for sure i fucking love it is that there's all these other drag performers that have come out of RuPaul's Drag Race that are now celebrities in their own right, like Trixie Mattel and was Bob the Drag Queen on there? Mm-hmm. Bob the Drag Queen won one year. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. Oh, uh-huh. um, and now they have their own show. Bianca Del Rio. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Alaska. <laughs> I know, but it's like I don't watch Drag Race. It's one of those shows that I always wanted to, but I have a little bit of a trouble with reality shows in general the pacing of it can kind of like um but drag race actually does a good job of not doing that too much so i think i'm going to go back and like actually get into it because there's so much content to devour and it is just watching artists go through their process and come up with something fast like so fast yeah reality shows that really show a craft and they're going to boot camp Basically, I mean, granted, I can't imagine how much money it costs to be on Drag Race. Right. To have all to bring all that costumery and wigs and all the looks with you. Yeah. You've got to be really at the top of your game by the time you're going on that show. But to see people in this unique kind of boot camp environment where all they have to do is their craft Mm -hmm. and where it's a competition but it's it's a supportive environment still for the craft it is a testament to rupaul's drag race Mm -hmm. i know angie very well she's one of my dearest friends and i know her to be a crier someone very in tune with her emotions Mm -hmm. and that came through in her interviews on that show and i really thought you know what They must be doing something right if they've created a space where she feels comfortable sharing that with the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's no better time like what we were talking about at the beginning with um, the El Dorado documentary. It's so important that this stuff is very visible and everybody can see this is what it is. It's it's a it's a show. It's playing with makeup and and costumes and it's performing and it's having fun and it's being creative and it's not fucking your children. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Seeing gay people interacting with gay people, being immersed in gay culture does not make you gay. No. And that's an important thing for people to understand is that 
you can benefit from the camaraderie, the um, joy, the joy, the flamboyance, the beauty, the performative prowess of these um, communities because RuPaul has now put it on TV and it is an honor for you all to be able to get a little glimpse behind the curtain. And like what you were saying that, you know, watching gay shows or being around gay people doesn't make you gay. Uh, What it does do is it makes you realize that gay people are people Mm -hmm. and it helps you maybe realize that there's more options for you Mm -hmm. because you're being shown that you don't have to present in just one way. And all of that, it's like, I don't, I feel like the people that are really against drag shows and that are against, you know, gay people in general and everything, typically, I, I don't know that they're, they know any that they're aware of. Mm-hmm. We all know gay people, even if you think you don't. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the more we can be visible and present in people's lives, I think the lower this fear about us. And, and the more empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And the real, like realizing that there is more that connects us than yep. divides us. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Well, everyone uh, has to find Angie online at Angie Evans Butch. And I want to just do one other call out of a really fabulous person that was on the show, Amanda Faye. Oh, yes. And I wanted to talk about her. She is at Failure Princess. <laughs> and she is his, I mean, hysterical yeah she does spoken word she's hilarious a follow she's brilliant she's funny and you're going to be able to find us soon doing things so i'm going to be teaching an anal sex workshop on august 16th it is free you can sign up online lovehoney.com slash advice slash webinar Robin is going to be teaching at the Pleasure Chest on September 6th, a bondage (laughs) class. That's right. And keep your eyes peeled on this space because we are going to do a live recording soon. So details are coming out about that shortly. So follow us at Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Or you could email us at fyapod at gmail.com. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Bye. Fuck Yeah Podcast is hosted and produced by Sarah Tom Chesson, hashtag my mom, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is by she, her, sir. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would mean a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, or share with a friend. You can get in touch by emailing us at fyapod at gmail.com or find us online at fuckyapod.com. Thanks for tuning in.